Hello once again, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. We are back and we are roaring for a fresh edition of this ESPN Formula One podcast. I'm Alexis Nunes here with one of my gurus today, Nathaniel Saunders, I'm going to call him because I didn't even know his full name was Nathaniel and it's spelled a fancy way, Nate. Yeah, I've, I've not been called that. Usually my mum calls me that when I'm in trouble. So I'm, I'm on edge now. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's spelled... Nathan and then A-E-L, which is not the common way of spelling it. I was at one point one of like five Nathaniels on Facebook that was spelt like that, but I think there's been a, a resurgence oh. of the name recently. What a um, man. But yeah, I wasn't, a... I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting that intro at all. I'm, I'm, um, you've, you've officially got my attention. <laughs> but we've also got a very special guest. She's been on our show before. I'm all for a double dose of girl power. And we've got none other than Sabre Cook, because even though we know that we've been enjoying this little break, from Formula One, but it's all back and we're absolutely ready to look ahead to Spa. There still was some motorsport going on, something that got Nate even more excited than when I called him Nathaniel just now, and that is the Indy 500, and we've got Sabre Cook to talk about it um, with us, don't we, Nate? Yeah, we do. And um, so Sabre is on the, the kind of ladder leading up to IndyCar at the moment. She's on the road to Indy uh, Championship. And um, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's always great to get a driver's input on the race. We obviously spoke to Alex Rossi last week and Alex Rossi, I was watching it and I was thinking this could be a perfectly timed guest for us on the podcast because he was running so well. Um, obviously, Fernando Alonso wasn't really a factor in the race, but another F1 driver was, uh, well, sorry, former F1 driver, I should say, Takuma Sato, who funnily enough, went in 2017 when I went to cover it, the first year Alonso did it, he won that year. So clearly Sato's big secret is that he wins the race when Alonso qualifies. Oh, Ooh-hoo. Well, I'm going to miss out on the Indy 500 talk on this one. But Nate, like I said, you've got the perfect replacement in Sabre Cook for this one. And without further ado, let's get right into it. And when we come back, we'll definitely be talking and looking ahead to a big weekend at Spa. Sabre Cook, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think it's your second time on, which is a rare, a rare honor that not a lot of people have. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. No worries. And you're you're in Mexico right now doing some um, doing some coaching down there. How's that been? Yeah, it's been good. Um, weather's nice. It's actually warmer in Colorado right now. I'm in Mexico City and it's a bit cold and rainy. I feel like I'm back in the UK, but uh, <laughs> other than that, it's uh, it's yeah, it's been really good. And did you watch the Indy 500 from down there, or have you just been there quite recently? Um, no. So we actually raced the Mexican. We had a Mexican F4 race on the weekend, the same day. So I didn't really get to a chance, obviously, to sit down and watch it. I peeked at some live timing in between little breaks that we had, but I didn't get to sit down and, and watch the full show, unfortunately. What's that like when you're a racing driver and you've got an event on that maybe you want to watch? I know you guys are super focused on what you want to do. I've always, I've always asked you know, drivers when their team's in the World Cup final or something like that. Like, for me, I know I wouldn't be able to. I'd just be constantly asking for lap updates you know, every, every couple of laps. Like, you know, who's, who's winning? Who's on top? Uh, well, I mean, I use the IndyCar app, and that, that makes it pretty easy to, to follow along. Um, and then on, like, YouTube TV, they have, like, the option where you can, like, record certain sports leagues. And so I just do that with the F1 and with uh, IndyCar if I can't watch it. But unfortunately, in Mexico, YouTube TV does not exist. <laughs> so I cannot watch it physically until I get back into the States. But it will be there when I get back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good thing to look forward to when you get back. But um, I was just listening to your last appearance on the show and trying to just remember exactly when in this crazy year it was. And it was right in the middle of lockdown. And um, you said in that that you had, I think you had one practice session at St. Pete's and then the, the road to Indy season kind of like with everything was just kind of stopped in its tracks. I know you've had a few races since then. How have the last few months been for you? And what's it been like actually been able to kind of get back racing again? Uh, yeah, I mean, the last few months, I guess, have been... It's, I mean, it's different for everybody getting back into it. There's definitely different procedures, but it's been great to be able to return back to racing and just kind of get back in the swing of things. So it's almost almost like kind of nothing ever happened except you have to wear this thing on your face all the time. <laughs> Other than that, just being, yeah, conscious. Of, but it's 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 been good. And um, before we go into Indy 500, I was just looking at the, the uh, running order of your championship, and there's a guy called, is it Stingray? Stingray Rob is yeah, the guy Stingray. in there, which is one of my favorite names I've seen in any, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the draft <laughs> prospects every year in the NFL. And I've got to say, I, I'm rooting for that guy to make it through however, however many <laughs> tears he can get through just on the back of the name. Yeah, no, he's, he's actually a really great kid. Uh, it is funny though that that is his real name. <laughs> but, yeah. 
That's um, what I was amazed by. I thought, well, that must be a nickname, but it's actually his real, his given name. Yeah, yeah, no, but a great kid, great family, and uh, he obviously has a lot of potential. So I think you will definitely see him around the road to Indy for, uh, for a few years. And talking of the Indy 500 itself, one of the things that struck me this year was the strength of the rookie class that there was. And that, you know, a lot of those guys have come through the same um, the program that you're working through, you know, Road to Indy. It's obviously a few stages to it. Um, what's it like competing against those guys? A lot of those, a lot of, I know you, you took a year out bar, bar W series, you know, it's been tough to maybe get onto some series and to be racing. So what's it like racing against people who maybe have been a bit more established on that, on that pyramid a bit more? Um, yeah, for, for me, I've obviously not had what most of the other competitors have where it's, they, you know, they run full seasons, they have all the test days, they do a lot of preseason testing. Um, I've definitely only, you know, I've only done a couple races in USF and a few race, a couple races in Indy Pro and trying to compete with those people that are on the ladder that, you know, they know they have a full season, they know they have a certain amount of test days and it's sort of, um, you know they can they can count on that schedule and that they, that it will come through. So for me, it's kind of race by race. If I can get the funding to do the races, and like before the season, I know some drivers have 20 plus test days, and you know I have two. So it's for me, it can be a bit frustrating at times to try and compete and prove that I can get the results if given the proper preparation and the end of chance and uh, you know I it's I run with lower budget teams and so it's uh it all matters but, but I, I just try to make the best uh, out of what I have and um, show some pace at some times and show that there is potential to obviously progress um, once I have more of a solid program. Does it feel a bit like almost competing on the back foot from the start you know with all those things it, it must be so difficult to you know for in, in any field to be competitive when you know you've got such, such less preparation compared to everyone else yeah it definitely it, you have to kind of take it at a different mental approach and and set realistic goals because i think if you're like right i'm gonna go straight out and win this thing with like <laughs> one test day to their 20s so you have to just be like okay let's focus on the process let's focus on you know how we can improve the car improve myself and and just give the best result that that's possible and and just be, like I said, realistic with everything. And um, Indy 500 itself, um, I'm excited for you that you get the chance to watch it. It's a shame that there's an anticlimactic finish um, because it was you know, I know. really, really hot, hotting up leading to that. But um, I suppose as an F1 podcast, the, the most logical place to start is, is Fernando. And in 2017, he was a major player the whole way through. And then the last two times he's been, he's really not had things his own way. I know they don't have the aero kits there now, but what is that the main explanation do you think for the fact that he's he struggled so much in those in those last two appearances obviously last year and this year or has the field got com more competitive as well is is there a multitude of things happening i don't think the field's gotten more competitive i think it's just hard for someone to come in and not have you know a lot of experience on ovals and come in and try to compete against those teams that you know that race multiple ovals throughout the year and they they have you know an established um, method of, of going about it and I mean I know they, that that um, McLaren obviously has a team now this year and I think that's probably helped but I, I mean not without being in the team I can't say for sure why um, why he struggled but if if I had to guess it's just it's difficult probably coming and doing those different types of races and I've heard from um, IndyCar drivers themselves that the the oval races are really about like setting up the car and learning to manage it either in traffic or you know when you get out in free air so it's it's not always about like maybe who's the best driver who's the most the biggest risk taker it has a lot to do with the car setup so I think it's just going to take, you know, McLaren to come in with a bit more preparation to be able to try and fight for, for the win. And, I mean, there was one F1 alumni, obviously, who was celebrating at the end of it, Takuma Sato. I don't know about yourself, but one of my favorite drivers growing up was Takuma. Just, you know, impossible to dislike him. Um, <laughs> was there anyone in particular you were, you, you were rooting for? Is there any sort of former teammates or, you know, anything like that um... in that race? I mean, I got a root for Oliver and Pato because I, mean, I grew up racing with them and uh, I 
was hoping, you know, to see, to see great things from them. And they obviously they did show speed and unfortunate with Oliver's crash, but uh, I think that they showed that they obviously have a lot of promise. And then I always, um, I actually really like Dixon and I think his, his mental strength is amazing. So it would have been cool to see him be able to, to win that on top of all the crazy amount of races that he's winning over the last couple of years. And that's the crazy thing with Indy, I think, is that a guy like Dixon's obviously just won it the once, and some guys it eludes them, you know, and, that, and then, but, you know, a guy like Takuma can come in and without that background in Indy, and suddenly he's got the two wins. I love how it kind of, it almost like picks a random winner every year and just says, right, you're the guy this year, and there's going to yeah. be no explanation why this is just how we're, yeah. how we're doing it. I feel like the lo- you try to, like, obviously we're trying to put logic to it, but I feel like to a certain degree there's always, like, this mystery force that you're just like I don't know why you won I have no idea yeah when we spoke to Alex Rossi last week and he said um he was like people didn't think I was going to win in 2016 and they had every right to like I I, I had no right winning that race at all and you know yeah. he obviously came out of nowhere to win it um in terms of in terms of the next couple of years for you I know W Series was put on the back burner by everything that happened but have things become more clear for you or have they become less clear for you in terms of what the next few seasons might hold no I mean the plan is still the same uh, for the, over the course of the next three years, but it's just obviously with W Series being pushed to one uh, one year later, it's kind of made it a bit like I'm gonna trying to obviously run Indy Pro 2000 next year as well, and trying to do a full season if possible with W Series. But it's a matter of seeing if you know the sponsorship uh, deals that we're trying to put in place now if they come through for next year. So I mean the the overall our overarching plan is still the same but uh COVID is definitely it really messed up my uh my situation this year so we'll hopefully everything will return back to normal next year yeah I mean I feel sorry for, so sorry for you guys especially the stage of your career that you're at you know it could have hit any time in your career and it's it's such a key time I guess for you to to be establishing yourself and then there's there happens to just be the first global pandemic in however long <laughs> yes it is it's a bit poor timing but I mean at the end of the day, you have to look at it with the perspective that, wow, you know, I'm, I'm upset that I can't go and drive like these crazy expensive race cars. And, you know, other people are struggling to just have somewhere to live and survive through the pandemic. So try to keep it in, in all in perspective. And um, what are the next few months like? How many, how many more races are there uh, left for you before the end of the calendar year? As of right now, I have zero funding to do any more races for the rest of the year. So I'm trying to obviously put deals together. I have some interest in, in the making and uh, possibly an endurance race later in the year that might come together. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But as of right now, I, uh, I don't have anything. Great. We'll say but best of luck with everything for the sponsorship. And um, we can't wait to have you back on the show in the future. Sabre Cook there with our very own Nathaniel Saunders. I mean, it's always good to have Sabre on. I mean, she's definitely such a breath of fresh air. And like I said, love, love me some extra doses of girl power on this podcast. But Nathaniel. Yeah, I know. I I didn't really realize. It took me a bit to clock on that that's my name here on Zoom, isn't it? So when you first called that, I was like, wow, Alexis has done some really deep, like, research into into my background and my name here. So it makes a lot more sense. But it reminded me that there's a great Zoom-related story from this season and uh, the name on my Zoom. So we had a Mercedes pub quiz. I forget when exactly. It must have been between one of the Austria races. But, you know, Mercedes always really, really good with the stuff they do with the media. And um, usually we have kind of you know, quizzes with some of the teams. But they sent us, they sent everybody in it like a box, which um, you know, had some goodies in it, had Toto's favorite sweets, etc. And on this quiz, they split us into teams. So I was on an astronaut's team. And in my box, I had like a little astronaut hat thing. It, you know, it was all really good fun. And um, you, you put into a different room on Zoom, etc. But part of that, you had to change your name. So mine said Nate-Astronaut. And I didn't think anything of it because, you know, I, at the time, I hadn't really been using Zoom a huge amount. So the next day, I have a two-on-one interview on Zoom with Carlos Sainz. And I start the interview just chatting away. And then I, I, I'm like, there's something not something not right here and I looked down in the corner and I noticed that my name says Nate dash astronaut and I when we started the interview Carlos kind of like frowned a bit and looked and the kind of was a bit puzzled and then carried on so it was obviously too polite to talk about it so uh one of the other one of the other journalists in that interview was asking a question and I was very subtly like still trying to look at the camera you know so it looks like I'm still listening but also changing my name on zoom and um Charlotte from McLaren afterwards was like was your was your was your name 
<laughs> Nate, Nate Astronaut. Astronaut. I was like, no, no, don't, don't think so. I did try and get the clip because I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that when, like, when that was discovered, it was like everyone was like, uh, this is ridiculous. But yeah, so you know, the fun and the fun and bands do continue in lockdown. They're just slightly different to usual. Slightly different. I know. <laughs> I was gonna. I, I saw it and I thought that you probably misspelled your own name, but I thought no mm. way would Nate, such a published journalist as well would misspell his name, but it is a, it is a nice spelling of it. Now we'll, we'll call you Nathaniel Astronaut. And I suppose we could tell yeah. Carlos to call you that now that he's considering you call him Sunday Science. So there that actually nearly happened to me. I kept it on for a friend's birthday and my name was Sexy Lexi Demand and Pepsi. And then day after it was like a, a production call. <laughs> so I pop up and I was like, Ooh, let me just change Sexy Lexi Demand and Pepsi. But <laughs> there you go. If I'm Nathaniel, you're whatever you just said. Sexy Lexi Demand and Pepsi. Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, That's if you like soda. I don't even drink soda, but I put it down anyway. <laughs> amazing. Well, we'll find one for Lawrence and then we've got one for the whole team. Oh, we'll find we'll find a sexy Lexi demand and Pepsi for Lawrence. Don't worry, I'll find one for him. <laughs> Anyways, let's get straight into some news because, like I said, Formula One is definitely back this weekend. We are buzzing for it as per usual, especially because it's at Spa, and I'm excited to see because I haven't heard a lot about Spa, Nate, but obviously I've never experienced it. But before we get to that, let's talk about the news. As always, we just like to pay off some of the news stories that have come in. Um, the first one being, and it is a pretty big one because we now finally know more about the calendar and a return to Turkey. Yeah, so um, we've. I've got to say, first of all, hats off to Formula One for getting 17 races on the calendar. You know, earlier yeah. this year, I was really skeptical they'd get anywhere close to that. I know they've doubled up at a couple of places and, you know, they've got a few new events in there, but they've done a really good job of getting that on there. And the great thing about this calendar, and let's hope it continues, obviously it's because of really bad situation with the coronavirus pandemic, but this is actually something that a lot of people have wanted to see for a long time is kind of a mixture of new or old venues, venues that haven't really been raced at for a while on the calendar. We have Mugello, we have Portimao, we have Imola, mm -hmm. and like you say, we have Turkey. Now, Turkey it's kind of caused a bit of a stir on social media because everybody has mm -hmm. been so excited about it. And it's a lot, you know, I, I, I was, I'm kind of on the fence a bit about this because I think Turkey was a great venue and we'll talk a bit about turn eight in a minute, this mythical yeah. turn eight that everyone's talking about. But um, yeah, it, it, it's probably, it's most famous scene is Vettel and Weber colliding in 2010, which was kind of the flashpoint of their rivalry. If, if Lewis and Rosberg have the Spain 2016, the equivalent in the Vettel Weber uh, rivalry was this moment, you know, and that's kind of, I think, the most famous incident, but it's, it's had some good racing there as well. So it's going to be great to go back there. And obviously, with all these races, the hope is, I guess, that they put on a good event and then there's a good argument for them to stay beyond this coronavirus year that we've got and p potentially come back as a, as a permanent fixture. Well, before we go, I suppose, on to some of the, the other locations that we are expected to, in terms of double weekends. Just tell me then about this mythical turn eight, because like you said, everyone has been talking about it. That's the one thing that you said we do have to talk about, even though, of course, when the time comes, we will fully have an in-depth preview. But give us a little teaser about why turn eight is always, always such a talked about turn, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's pretty impressive when you actually look at it. So Formula One have been putting a lot of onboards on of Turkey over the years. And the question is going to be whether they can take this sequence it's kind of a sequence of mini corners really but turn eight is what it's been called um whether they can take that flat this year but if there's actually a great comparison to it this weekend so puan which is um a very very quick left-hander in belgium is kind mm. of similar in the way that the cars kind of sweep around the circuit there um my one thing with turn eight is that it's kind of it's become this legendary circuit but no one has ever thought to give it a better name than turn eight you know i feel like <laughs> if it is so good they should it shouldn't just be like oh we're going to turn eight again what would um, you call it? I don't know, actually, but I feel like there's people who are better equipped at naming corners. You know, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, I, there's some great onboards of Kimmy going through there. So, you know, I'm a huge Kimmy fan. Why don't we just call it the Kimmy Corner or something and spell, spell corner with a K. Corner with a K. Just, yeah, just, oh, you know. Done. Look, we're, we're all about new names on this show. I we are it. all, this is a name <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but overall, as a circuit, I think it's going to be good. I mean, there's a really good place for overtaking. So turn eight leads to this really, really cool sequence where they turn, there's a right-hander, and then there's the straight where Weber and Vettel collided. And that then has pretty heavy braking zone, a left corner, and I imagine there's going to be a lot of braking there. One thing you'll read a lot about as well in the lead-up to that race, and there's been a few articles this week already, is this circuit was actually kind of where Lewis Hamilton really stepped up and made his name in 2006. So that was the year before his 
uh, Formula One debut season. He was in GP2 and spun early in the race and um, basically just charged back through the field. And you can find those you can find those clips on YouTube as well. I was actually watching it this morning, and it's really impressive, you know. And he's, he's fighting guys like there's there's Nelson Piquet Jr., there's Timo Glock in in, in the field as well. And um, I think it was one of those weekends where a guy like that really put his name on the radar. He hadn't been signed by McLaren for their Formula One team at that point. Obviously, he was part of the McLaren Junior Academy. So there's quite a good history to this circuit. And um, I'm really, yeah, I'm excited to see it back. I'm still skeptical it deserves all of the hype that it's got. But I'm, I'm more than happy to be proved wrong if, if you know, Kimmy Corner does turn out to be awesome. And um, <laughs> let's make it stick. Come on, we might as well. We're going to um, make it stick. Yeah, 100%. Well, we've got Kimmy Corner now, whatever the hell your name was. I can't remember. So we'll <laughs> Sexy <have> Lexi <laughs> demand and Pepsi. Boom. It just rolls off the tongue, obviously. That should be a corner as well. Yeah, yeah well, maybe that's the name for it. Maybe I'd love to, because I'd love to hear all the journalists and, and the commentators actually trying to say that. Lap I by should lap. get like a helmet that says Sexy Lexi demand and Pepsi. Love That'd it. be brilliant. That'd that would be brilliant. Call me up, I'll design helmets. But then, so that's of course what we are expecting at Turkey. As usual, once we do get closer to that time, we'll have a full-on in-depth preview. But then after Turkey, um, Nate, it's a double double header, double header weekend in Bahrain. What do you make of that? Yeah, this has been kind of suggested for a while. It was either the, the chat was either the double in Bahrain, a double in Abu Dhabi, and at one point there were suggestions of both. Um, but yeah, Bahrain is just a really easy one for them to do two of. There was chat of them doing a change layout for the second race, but they're not going to be doing that. So it'll be very similar to the doubles that we saw in Austria and in Silverstone, where it's literally just a second race at the same venue. Uh, Bahrain, actually, surprisingly, in recent years, since since they changed the, the starting slot, has actually become a really good race. Like I used to associate it as being a pretty boring race, but Bahrain mm -hmm. has kind of consistently been one of the better venues for entertaining races. The frustrating thing with it being where it is, is that by that point, I imagine Lewis will have wrapped up the championship. So it might be one of these things where it's an entertaining race, but we, you know, the, the sting of the championship is gone. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a nice way to finish. And also it stops anyone who wins this championship kind of mockingly being called the European champion because anybody with, you know, who's looking at that calendar, it depends on where you, I guess, where you say Russia is, but you know, they play in the European championships in football. So for me, they're European. Uh, yeah, so it's it's the first two races outside of Europe. So it, it officially, even though it didn't need those to be officially a world championship, in the eyes of people watching, they can say, look, it was a world championship. We went outside of Europe and we got it done. And so, yeah, so like I say, great job by Formula One to actually get these races on. It will take us all the way to December 13th, which is a super late finish for the season. But considering we were talking about this, this season potentially going to January and February, a few months ago, mm -hmm. it, it actually isn't too bad. You know, there was talk of like, oh yeah, we'll finish in Feb and then we'll just go straight into testing again. You know, when when no one really knew what the year was gonna look like. So yeah, great job from them. And um, now we've got the calendar, you can kind of try and start to picture where the season's gonna go and who's gonna win where. My prediction hasn't changed overall. I'm still I'm still thinking <laughs> it's gonna be Lewis early on, but you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe those last races, they'll throw up a surprise. I know, I suppose we'll see, because of course it all goes down in um, in Abu Dhabi, as you know, we have been used to, I believe. But um, it is going to be a good one. I suppose nice little, nice little hurrah before Christmas time. I guess Christmas will be even more festive now, granted, provided things get safer again with the coronavirus pandemic. So we will continue tracking that. But as Nate says, massive props to Formula One for actually getting the 17 races. And, and we're happy. We're happy. Gotta love it. But now yeah. that it's back. 100% and I think um, anyone it, that was the nice thing was seeing this release everyone was like super amped about the calendar so yeah right it's good because it actually does look more like an actual calendar whereas like you said before we were wondering you know could this be eight races just eight race weekends given the fact that we weren't sure where we'd be able to go and all of that stuff so happy that we can say 17 races are on the calendar we look forward to experiencing every single one of them now over to a bit of news has to do with Ferrari and more notably Charles Leclerc, because he's who we did speak about um, quite a bit after the Spanish Grand Prix, just wondering what led to his um, do not, did not finish. And as well, the fact and the scary news, I suppose, about his seatbelt or lack thereof that I kept saying, I'm sure his mom must have been sleeping with one eye open and just her heart <laughs> must have been pumping when she found out that's the last thing you want to hear that when your son is going a gazillion miles an hour, <laughs> he didn't have a seatbelt fastened. But now I believe Ferrari, Nate, you said, has identified probably what led to the did not finish. Um, so what exactly are some of the details? There are any updates that they've provided? So the details were actually pretty much that. They've said they've identified the issue, uh, which is always good news for a team, I suppose, when you, when you find that out. Um, and 
looking at the the components used this year, if they have to change the control electronics, it was an electronic issue. It shouldn't force Leclerc into a penalty because he's within his allocation. So it sh it looks like it might be a pretty difficult weekend for Ferrari. So any Ferrari fans worrying that might be made worse by a penalty. Um, there won't be at least there won't be one coming for that issue. You know, you never know what else mm. might might happen in the weekend. The seatbelt issue, yeah, very, very strange. I don't think I've ever read a story like that. I know you, you and Lawrence covered it in detail uh, on the show after the last race. I think that's actually going to be quite a big talking point this weekend. The way the season's been at the moment is it's been very difficult to kind of get hold of people on these things. And the FIA, when they did their, uh, when Michael Massey, the race director, did his post-race uh, press conference, it was, the, the details of that weren't really known. Um, so there's going to be a lot of analysis into how much did the FIA know? Why did Ferrari, did Ferrari fully appreciate that he didn't have the belts? And it didn't seem like they did, but anything like that, you know, all it took was, was one, one mistake, you know, one tiny thing to happen. And we could have been talking about a really, really sad story coming into this weekend. So, um, yeah, keep your eyes posted for stories on that. All right, well, I think that's pretty much covering, um, some of the hot topics in terms of newsy updates that we have. And that means now we can get fully in to Spa. And I'm quite excited for this week. And I'm going to tell you in just a bit, Nate. But of course, we have to go over the, the couple of, you know, the usual suspects, etc. We'll get into what you expect from each one um, in your Nate's bald predictions. The I want to call it Nathaniel's bald predictions now. And that will come right after we have our little pit stop where we take all of our listeners. We take all of your bold predictions and your questions. But it is mainly some wild bold predictions. But we love them. We love every single one of them so much so that they fire Nathaniel up. <laughs> so <laughs> without further ado, let's get straight into Spa Nate. And I already know, I mean, the name alone, when you hear it, it, it stands out in Formula One, not just because I do love spas on a whole, but we definitely <laughs> know this one. So I guess just um, quick overview of, of, of the track of the circuit, exactly um, what you can expect on it and who can thrive on it. Yeah. So I was saying that I'm not sure about the mythos, like whether Turkey deserves the hype around it. When you hear mm -hmm. the, the hype and the, the stuff about Spa, it's 100% justified. You know, it's such an incredible place to go racing. Just the just the location alone, you know, it's kind of in the middle of the Ardennes Forest. When you're driving around, you wouldn't know there's a circuit there and then it just pops out, out of nowhere. It's always, it, yeah, when you drive into the circuit, it's always it kind of just undulates through the hills and everything. Obviously, Eau Rouge, Radion, the Camel Strait, all of those, you know, the, the early sequence of corners are just fantastic to watch racing. Been very. That's one of the coolest things of this job so far has been to go trackside and watch cars at that part of the circuit. So if any fan is ever able to go to a race, I always say go and sit there just 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 to see that once. It is absolutely phenomenal, and um, yeah, it deserves every bit of 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 hype that it gets. And there's no there's it, it's no real surprise that drivers absolutely love that circuit. And it's really it's a really challenging circuit as well because you can actually lose a lot of time by making small errors. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of parts of the track that link together very very. Well, so if you make a mistake early on, so I mentioned Puon earlier, the middle sector, if you get out of shape early on there, you can really mess up your lap or, you, you know, you can really get out of position. So it's a real challenge for the guys and uh, one of the longest laps on the calendar as well. So uh, I can tell you from having run it once, uh, one of the things that we're <laughs> able to do when we can go track running, that it is, it is even hillier than it looks on TV. So Eau Rouge is, you know, is ridiculous, but also the, the run up to the final chicane is so steep it's ridiculous so when you actually see it on tv it's a bit like austria i think i remember lawrence and i saying that when we were previewing the austrian grand prix it really doesn't look as hilly as it is and um yeah so seeing race cars there is absolutely amazing goodness me man from manland nate just running all these hilly circuits but of course uh speaking of man from manland um let's just talk about your expectations i suppose this weekend and i have to start with a question that i ask every single weekend is this going to be Lewis Hamilton territory because, and I say that because when I look at my not so trusty weather app, that's failed me many a times though, Nate, in covering cricket, which you know, you always have to look at the weather or just really living in England, you always have to look at the weather. I see rain Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And as Lawrence has dubbed him the wet weather God, is this just priming Lewis for another spectacular performance? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the frustrating thing at the moment is that if, <laughs> If it, if it looks like it, it's, it's going to rain, you know, the, Lewis is just so good in the rain that it doesn't really change things. Absolutely right that it's, a, it's definitely going to be a good Mercedes circuit. I think all of them will be this year. But Lewis, at the moment, seems to have the edge on Valtteri on Sundays. It might be close on the Saturday. Um, so I'm not really expecting anything different at the start. Obviously, if, if Valtteri can out-qualify Lewis, then that might, it might help him win the race. But um, 
yeah, it, it, I don't think it's going to be too much different. I think Ferrari, we saw in Austria, so Belgium is, is a circuit with a lot of, where, where straight line speed is very, very important, you know, and that's, and that's similar in, in Austria. We saw how much Ferrari struggled there. And we, we're expecting them to struggle in Monza as well, which, you know, is going to be pretty embarrassing for Ferrari. But I, I, I can't see much changing for them here. So, um, you know, usually at these races, Ferrari would always introduce kind of a super engine for this race with Monza in mind. But um, Ferrari seems to be a long way off the pace. So I can't see a huge amount changing. I'd love to see uh, Max taking it to, to Lewis and Mercedes. It would be usually one of the great things about this race since Max kind of rose to prominence is that this race is almost very similar to Austria in the fact that there's so many Dutch fans that kind of pour into the circuit. It was actually, it was kind of sad for Stoffel van Dorn when he used to race because he was Belgian, mm. but there was, there would just be legions of Dutch fans there. And you, you know, you're like, well, where are all the Belgians for, for Stoffel? But obviously Max just has that kind of star power and had, had those wins, etc. So it's kind of, it's almost been seen as like a second home race for, for Verstappen. Uh, obviously that was before we had a Dutch Grand Prix and then we didn't have a Dutch Grand Prix. We should have one again mm. next year. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be one of the one of the things of of these next few races is that the predictions themselves are gonna be very very similar. The midfield fight will be fascinating. Um, I've been trying to work that out. I think Racing Point will definitely be one to watch. You know, traditionally, even when they were Force India, this was a very strong circuit for them, and they just seem to be slowly getting the handle on how to extract the best performance out of that car. And I think having Sergio Perez back in the car is a huge boost for them as well. Um, I got, I just got a feeling it, you, you'll see in my, you know, predictions bit, not my bold predictions bit, but I, I really think Perez can go strongly for a podium this weekend. Ooh, that's the kind of stuff we wanted to hear, Nate. That is definitely not, what we wanted yeah. to hear. But... Not, 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 not the boldest one I've got, but it's, it's not the bold. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was, like you said, speaking of, I, I mean, we know that it, it's hard to ever count out Mercedes, especially like you said, with now we're looking at the weather and what we expect it to be. Um, but from Max, I mean, where where can he find an advantage? Well, this is is, is is a good time to mention Albon because Lawrence has said it a few times, I know, on the show. But one of the things that has really hurt Red Bull this year is the fact that Albon's been so far mm. back. And at a place like Spa, where you'd expect Mercedes will have the advantage, but Max can get there in the mix with them. You know, there might be some things they can do on setup. Red Bull, Red Bull always very, very good at leading the car into the characteristics of a circuit. If they had... A second competitive car up there who was you know nibbling on the you know the heels of Bottas or whoever the second Mercedes was you'd suddenly put Mercedes into a into a much more pressure-filled situation my worry is that we'll just get a very similar uh, story to the last race where the presence of Max kind of means that that affects Bottas but it doesn't affect the guy out in the lead so if, mm. if, if, if Albon can have a good weekend so this will be the first race um, for Albon where he's actually doing his second race for Red Bull. So last year he was promoted from Toro Rosso to Red Bull ahead of this race. So all of the other events he's done since then were his first race for Red Bull, if that makes sense. You know, he'd done the yeah. others for Toro Rosso. So th this is his first time he's doing his second race for Red Bull at, at an event. Um, and I remember last year, he I talked about the Camel Strait, which is the long straight from Eau Rouge and Radion um, into the chicane. He, he made an amazing overtake on the grass there, you know, and we've seen some of his overtaking moves since have been really aggressive and Red Bull are really impressed with them. Obviously, his pace needs to improve. So if he can put himself back up there where the car should be, I think that immediately changes things for Mercedes. Even if they are ahead, it means it's a, it's a new thing for them to worry about. They haven't had to worry about this season. So Max really, I don't think there's anything different he can do because he's, he's been fantastic all year. He just needs some help from his teammate, I think. And I think, I think he'll be in a good position to attack. But, you know, if... if if a Mercedes leads into the first corner, it's going to be very difficult for them to, to beat Mercedes at outright pace. So, you know, maybe some, maybe they can do some rain dancing or whatever before the race, but, um, you <laughs> Stay know. hydrated too. Yeah, exactly. Stay, yeah. Yeah. Well, Max although is telling, rain, his, Max is telling his engineer that now, isn't he? That's become, that's become quite a fun thing. Max, whenever he's on the radio and he's maybe having a boring race, he's like, remember to stay hydrated to, to Jean-Pierre, his, um, his, his race engineer. I've quite enjoyed that. God, I love that. God, I look out for everyone's hydration. Are you staying hydrated, Nathaniel? I am. I haven't actually had a drink during this podcast, which I usually do. But I've I been having a lot of tea during this podcast, but um, only because it's a massive mug. So I think I did make two cups of tea in one. Well, the next team I want to look at in terms of um, trying to find a slight advantage, I suppose, because like I said, it's not often that Mercedes do give them out, but they have been looking pretty good since the start of the season, and that is Racing Point, Nate. But before we do get into them, a bit of news is that Renault have announced that they've decided to withdraw their appeal into the penalty that was handed out to Racing Point that, you know, um, came, up, came about after their 
breaks were viewed to be illegal and there was the whole copying and cheating scandal that's been dragged out for a couple of weeks now but Renault finally announcing that they have withdrawn it so and hoping that they could put this controversy behind them what are some of the details there Nathan and, and do you think it was just the right decision overall well I think for anybody kind of watching this with a passing interest it must look really ridiculous because Renault said that their reasoning for dropping the appeal and I'll talk a bit, a bit more about that as well in a second. <clears throat> but their main, so this just followed the news that all the 10 teams have signed the Concord Agreement, which binds those teams together to the sport until 2025, which is a great thing because there was talk about Mercedes potentially not being happy with the terms, etc. But it means that F1 knows these 10 teams will commit for the next five years. The statement said, we don't want to keep dragging F1 through the mud. You know, it, there were some echoes of this when Red Bull protested DAS and there was talk between both teams about, you know, getting it out of the way early because they didn't want to drag it through the mud into the season. Mm-hmm. Renault seems to suggest that, like, look, we want to put this controversy to bed. We, you know, we want to, now that the Concord Agreement's been signed and the spirit of that, we want to go forward, you know, without any controversy. <laughs> you know, and I, I totally, I totally understand if a team wants to protest another team, then whatever, but the whole process has just been so strange. And for Renault, Renault obviously kicked off that, the whole controversy in terms of by protesting it in the first place there they've dropped the appeal you know so that they were they were looking for harsher sanctions on racing point who got 15 points docked were fined 400,000 euros which is about 470,000 dollars um but the racing point seemed in a position to to argue it all the way because they felt that they were they were already you know penalized probably more than they wanted to be yeah and this is this is the key thing here is that um those appeals are still going ahead so uh, Racing Point is still appealing that verdict. They want that mm. verdict to be lessened, but Ferrari haven't dropped their appeal and they're looking for harsher sanctions on Racing Point. So the appeal process is still going on. Nothing really has changed in that sense. It's just that Renault have withdrawn that. McLaren have also withdrawn from that process. They did that a couple of weeks ago. You know, mm. it's, it, it, it looks like it will be a very expensive process to do that. So I, do, I think some of these teams have looked at the actual cost of it and probably worked out that it's not worth it in the long run. And coupled with what I said about kind of dragging F1 through the mud a bit. But this goes back to what you were saying about Racing Point. I think yeah. it's going to have left such a sour taste in their mouth that they must have at this point just an absolute determination to really outperform now and just kind of almost, it's a real cliche, isn't it? But almost let the results do the talking. I know, yeah. you know, I, I hate hearing it when footballers say that. So I kind of hate that I just said <laughs> it. But it, it's really all that's left for them now is is to kind of go and go and show up these teams with with this car and kind of go and perform and, and, and spar as I mentioned earlier is a great way for them to do that. They've shown that they are legitimately a very, very quick car or they have a very, very quick car. Um, I think that they, they probably made some operational errors. I don't think they were helped by the fact that Perez had to take two races off. Holkenberg did a great job, but he didn't maximize that car like Perez did, which isn't a knock on him. It's just the fact that he hadn't driven that car before. So I think that if, if, if they were honest with themselves, they've underperformed so far this year based on where that car should be. So Spa should be a place where they can come back, kind of come back all, all guns blazing. And without giving too much from your bold predictions as well, in terms of like who, what, where, when, why, but still looking at the two drivers. And like I say, I suppose I start with Lance Stroll. I mean, he had a pretty good time out last time, like a very good time out. I would say he was absolutely beaming after, even though we could barely see it with the masks on, but you could definitely tell he was happy. You could definitely tell daddy would be happy. So um, are you expecting more of the same or perhaps even better from say him and Sergio Perez? Yeah, I, I, I've got to say, I, I cannot work Lance Stroll out for the life of me. You know, like, on the one hand, he's, he's got this reputation for being, you know, he's, he's driving his dad's team. He's come into racing with a lot of money. He's, mm. not always, he's not always blown the doors off when he's kind of been performing. He's not wowed everyone. But occasionally we'll see these tiny little glimpses where he's, he's really, really good, you know. And, and, and in Spain, he was super aggressive at the beginning, which is, yeah. is what uh, Williams used to say. I remember Paddy Lowe would always say, about Lance Stroll when he was there. And he had a pretty tough time at Williams, but Paddy Lowe would always say, look, his starts are amazing. You know, he's really aggressive. He knows where to put the car. And often, obviously he was starting out of position. So that's, that's always the criticism you can have for that. But it's not a bad skill to learn, is it? To, to learn how to be aggressive at the start. So I think, I think on, on, on race pace, I would always back Perez over Stroll. I just think, you know, Perez is, especially with tire management, is, is actually one of the best guys out there for that. And there's still question marks over Stroll. And, and sometimes you hear radio messages where the team seem to be really coaching Stroll through a race in a much different way than they would with Perez. You know, they're saying, look, you need to be doing this, 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 and this. Whereas Perez is just like, look, you know, I've got it, I've got it all in hand. So I definitely think Perez is the guy to lead that charge. But yeah, I, I, every time I kind of start criticizing Stroll, he'll do something that is quite impressive. So I think um, 
he's he, he's i guess in a similar situation to the racing point team and that he's always been racing with a big chip on his shoulder because of the way he's been treated so um i hope for the for the sake of the team i hope both of them have a very good weekend all right. Well, I suppose the final team that I do want to kind of look at, at slightly in depth since we've covered most of the usual suspects now in this one is, again, Ferrari, because we always want to know what they're going to throw out to us um, week in, week out. We have been picking them, I suppose, to underperform, which, you know, has happened or the car at least. But somehow Charles Leclerc has managed to get some, you know, surprising results, I would say, with the car. Obviously, last week, last time at the Spanish Grand Prix was no fault of his whatsoever. And that kind of allowed us to see one of the better or probably the best weekend we've seen from Sebastian um, Vettel in a long, long time. So Nate, I don't even, it sounds so hard to ask you, what do you predict for Ferrari this weekend? Because it really has been hard to see, but anything Vettel can capitalize on, even the slightest momentum <laughs> from the Spanish Grand Prix. And obviously, Charles, given what happened last time at the Spanish Grand Prix, anything is better than that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been whispers on, you know, in, in various media outlets that this might be a weekend we hear about Vettel's future in terms ah. of Racing Point or Aston Martin. Now, those have only been rumors. And sometimes these, you know, these things come out of nowhere, but sometimes there's no smoke without fire. And this tends to be a time that it would make sense for that, that deal to be made in, in usual circumstances. So maybe it's very much keeping in line with that. But in terms of momentum for Vettel, I'm not convinced purely because last, uh, the last race kind of shone a light on just how weird that Ferrari setup is with him in terms of the way he was interacting with them on radio. You know, it just didn't seem like a harmonious situation. And obviously Leclerc going out, I don't know. It's obviously impossible to know where he would have finished in relation to Vettel. It was great to see Vettel having a positive race weekend and let's hope it does continue because it's been, we've, I mean, we've, we've said it time and time again, it's been horrible yeah. to watch him struggle like that. But yeah, I, I don't see it. I think I think on most race weekends, Leclerc is still far and away the best driver. He's been comfortably outperforming Vettel. And, um, you know, this could be another... Vettel's made a habit now of, of getting eliminated in Q2, and I wouldn't be surprised if we were writing about that again on Saturday because there's so many guys in the midfield who are really overperforming at the moment. And Vettel, I know he's had a good weekend, and I, I hope I'm wrong, but I think that he'll be out of Q2 again. That would be... Maybe there's bold prediction number one. Um, that, but 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 it's almost become such a such a common thing now. It doesn't really seem like that much of a neck on the line statement, but it does seem like another place where where that might happen. To. All right. Well, let's not take any more hints from your bald predictions because they are coming up soon but this is the perfect time i suppose to get into pit stop this is where we again take all of the predictions from all of our followers and listeners on social media let's start with some on facebook this one's coming from fausto he says mercedes wins with a one minute and a half advantage is there moto gp this weekend <laughs> i mean <laughs> considering that lewis lapped pretty much everyone but bottas and verstappen if something happened to max in this race that wouldn't seem that ridiculous you know it might be it might be a stretch for both cars but um yeah I, i'll leave it at that i don't think yeah i don't think it's out of the realms of possibility that they'll, they'll definitely finish ahead of a lot of cars by a margin like that yeah if, if lewis gets in that zone again where he just zones out and it's like i don't even know so much he didn't even know he was on the last lap huh must be nice. Kyle says, awesome first turn and then a Mercedes parade. 2021 can't come fast enough. <laughs> well, also just because 2020 has been a mental year as well. Alberta says, black Mercedes wins. Which one? Pink Mercedes gets a podium. Which one? <laughs> Vettel out of points. I mean, that's not that much of a bold prediction. And Verstappen gets a better result than Albon. All very, very safe predictions. Yeah, that's not that's not really that, you know, that's not neck on the line stuff. But maybe, maybe, maybe that's playing it safe. Maybe that has become Formula One 2020. Unfortunately, is that Sadly. you can you can you can stand by those kind of predictions. Um, yeah, I, I I'm glad there's someone else thinking uh, we could see a racing point on the podium. That'd be a great story. Jean Pierre says Spa with rain is going to be a great race with a lot of surprises. Well. Yeah, hundred percent. And and the forecast, as you mentioned earlier, does look like it could rain. And it's always I feel like Spa's one of the places we always go to, and there's always a threat of rain, or there's always talk yeah. of rain. And one of the best races. I mean, I remember watching it as a kid. Uh, was Spa 1998? Um, one of the just an unbelievable race, and that was all in the rain. Famous for Schumacher driving into the back of Coulthard and then running down the pit lane to you know accuse it. He said, you know, are you trying to kill me? They had this kind of altercation in the pit lane, but so many famous, huge crash at the beginning. And I remember watching that race as a kid and I was just like, wow, Spa is just amazing. You know, and, and every year 
you almost you know you, you always see that there's this huge collision of cars and every montage of spa will have this at the beginning and that came from a wet race you know visibility is low and because as i mentioned because it's such an undulating circuit like that makes mm. it such a challenging place for it to rain it's not just it's not just flat you know you're flat, going for a lot yeah. of corners where you're going over crests of hills and stuff like that so let's hope that that prediction sorry a bit of a bit of a waffle again about how much i love spa but um <laughs> yeah if, if if it does rain then i'm all for that all for that's it. basically Chris, what that's basically what i was trying to say <laughs> was, was yes I no but but we pay for your opinion so give it all to us nathaniel i'm glad i've been consistent with calling you nathaniel i've been tempted to say nate here and there but i've stopped myself chris says i'm going to guess oh i don't know a finishing order of lewis valtteri and in p3 the hydration nation of the bull max verstappen the hydration nathan, nation nathan not nathaniel says oh wow Danny Ricardo for a podium. Now that's ah. bold. That's very bold, but kind of stepping on what I was going to say later. So I was. Oh, going to okay, similar. all right. Um, Let's just move on then. I mean, Wayne says, yeah. If wet, it could be anyone. <laughs> if it's wet, it could be anyone's race except for Grosjean. <laughs> <laughs> harsh on Roman. Well, that is so harsh. Oh gosh, let go to someone Twitter that we've as well the formula says he predicts rain lots of rain Vishnu says is this the best chance for Kimi to get into the points um I don't think so I we have Kimi everyone... corner now well <laughs> yeah well, that's in Turkey though but I mean oh, that's true that's Turkey it's always a question Kimi gets this is one of his favorite circuits but the Alfa Romeo is so bad and he's really I think I think Kimi has just checked out this year he doesn't seem to be really on it at all Giovinazzi's kind of outperforming him which is pretty embarrassing so it would take a pretty special set of circumstances you can obviously never rule it out but if Kimmy gets in the points um I'd be pretty amazed Anders says George Russell to get points Ooh, that'd be nice and F1 Ginger says rain plus mechanical failures seven do not finishes but no injuries yeah, that's, seven. that's a good caveat I'll take it but what do you think about George Russell getting in points first point quite a few actually Two others have predicted George Russell to probably get the first point of the season. Yeah, I saw a great tweet the other day that was, it was basically just saying like, how bad is the sexual tension between George Russell and the points right now? Because he's always, <laughs> he's always like right there. Flirting and, with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, oh, you can like cut it with a knife, you know, like in qualifying, he does a great job and then he drops off. So it'll be great when he gets it. So yeah, I, I, oh. you know, I'm a big George Russell fan. So hopefully he can do that. Might be a tough venue for that Williams car. But mm. hey, you know, again, if it rains... Who knows? Who knows, indeed. Well, thank you to everyone for all of your bald predictions, or your bold predictions, rather, because now we're going to get into bald predictions. <laughs> I'm not going to wish baldness on anyone because only Nate can pull it off beautifully. And maybe like one or two other people. <laughs> but without further ado, then, let's get right into Nate's bald, bald, bald predictions. So, Nate. <laughs> if you keep it, yeah, I feel like it's best when it's just bald predictions. Like, you know, it, rub, rub, it rubs it in too much if it's three balds. But fine, no, we'll, Dude, go, we'll go for it. We're going to come up with like a cool jingle, even though I like my It could my, just like, be that, just you saying threat. bald over and over. Bald, again. bald, bald predictions. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'll go with that. You feel it. You're feeling yeah. it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Take it away, Nate. So I've kind of alluded to one of them. Um, Perez on the podium. Um, you know, I think that even though they've got a good car, it's still putting your neck on the line a bit to suggest that because we've kind of got used to three cars on merit getting there. But I was going to suggest, and um, I, I said somebody had kind of hinted at it, I think uh, Renault have really been impressive at points this season. You know, it's kind of gone yeah. under the radar and we haven't talked about them a lot. And Danny Ricciardo has been really good, you know, driving driving the wheels off the car at some places. If it rains, and maybe this is just speaking for someone who wants to see Ricciardo, you know, go out on a high at Renault, I, I would say my bold prediction is Danny Ricciardo on the podium. Um, and again, this segment is meant to be bold predictions. Right? You know, that's very much, it's very, very out there. But why not? You know, if if um, if we get a mixed up race, if we get some carnage at the beginning, he's been racing pretty well. And um, yeah, I think um, I think it would be it would be interesting in that midfield fight as well to see to see Renault beating someone like Racing Point. You know, it would kind of intensify that rivalry a bit more as well. So I'll say that one. I was gonna say I was gonna say Lewis doesn't finish, but I'm pretty sure I said that in Spain. Uh, because because my my rationale was that that's where him and Bottas uh, sorry my my rationale was that that's where uh, Hamilton and Rosberg collided in 2016, mm. but I 
I can't every weekend my prediction can't just be oh Lewis won't finish the race because otherwise it stops being <laughs> stops being a bold prediction <laughs> and starts sounding like I want Lewis to not finish races which you know which wouldn't be fair um but then the boldest of bold predictions uh and we've talked about both these guys before I'm gonna do it I'm gonna say Alex Albon out qualifies Max Verstappen because as I mentioned earlier he's coming back to Spa with Red Bull he's raced there before he's He's been doing such a good job on Sundays of, of fighting back through the field, but obviously that's been because he's been qualifying out of position. I don't know. I just feel like that's something that we could cool. see. Maybe, again, maybe wishful thinking, but why not? Let's have it. So Ricardo on the podium, Albon out qualifies Verstappen. Uh, and if it's a dry... So, so the Ricardo ones, if it rains, Perez, if it's dry, is my podium prediction. So there's three. You did say bold, bold, bold predictions. Yeah, and, I did say bold, bold, bold right predictions. I don't, I don't know whether know. it ruins the game to have three, but I kind of like to keep it, you know, keep it spiced up. They obviously no. don't all have to happen together, but um, yeah, I think I think Albon out qualifying Verstappen would be would be pretty mega. That would be absolutely brilliant. I love that. I love how Nate's come bold, boldly bold, boldly well, there bold. Was, there was one week where I kind of went really kind of on the fence, and then Lawrence out bolded me, <laughs> yeah. which I was like, I can't have, I can't have that. <laughs> Can't be happy. That's like you out nerding him and Lawrence gets nerdy. Yeah, I mean that I can I can categorically say that is never gonna happen. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, you're right, it's similar territory, so I can't I can't have that happen again. Oh well, that was brilliant. Love me some that's a triple threat of bold, bald predictions, Nate. I'm absolutely loving that. I hope at least one of them does come true this weekend. We can spice it up and we'll definitely have a very, very exciting show that Sunday. But I suppose for now, it's a wrap for us, isn't it? It is indeed. Um, yeah, please do keep it with us on ESPN for the bell. Wait, sorry, I'm stealing your bit, Alexis. Oh, no, that's fine. Like, <laughs> it makes my job even easier. Nate's trying to steal my thunder, but of course, thanks as always to everyone. Thanks. Getting ahead of my station. <laughs> you called me Nathaniel, and now I'm like, hey, I, I know. <laughs> Gets called Nathaniel once, and he's like, that's it. I'm going to do the intros, outros, everything, analysis, talk to Saber, boom. Next week, <laughs> next week's just going to be a 40 minute monologue of me just talking, talking, <laughs> and talking, and talking. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, thanks, of course, to Nathaniel for making a special appearance and trying to take over the show. Thanks to Savercook for joining us, as always. Absolute pleasure. Thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. Remember, you can catch everything Formula One across ESPN.com, Formula One. Plus, you can catch the action on ESPN itself. We will be back on Sunday to wrap up all the action that we see in Spa and hopefully at least one of Nate's predictions does come true and I'm pretty sure it'll make for a very exciting show so please tune in.